Dynasty Blueprint with Matt Williamson and Ryan McDowell. Welcome into another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined as always by Matt Williamson. Matt, the draft is getting closer and closer. It looks like it's actually going to happen. I'm starting to believe it. We're not going to hit any snags. How's it going? Things are good. Yeah, I'm trying. we're trying to figure out how to broadcast the draft. Usually we do it from the Steelers facility and there's you know all kinds of stuff going on. Now we've got to figure out how to actually do it. That's been our challenge the last couple of days. Well, do it. Do it from home like everyone else, right? That's yeah, where- I imagine. That's where all the GMs are going to be and the coaches. So it's going to be a wild year for sure. Matt, we've got a great guest today. We have Graham Barfield. Graham is, of course, uh, most most recently uh, with the NFL Network and and broadening out, branching out. I'm sure we'll hear more about his plan soon. Graham, how are you doing? Doing well, guys. Uh, looking forward to the virtual draft. Uh, I'm sure you guys saw Dave Gettleman's home, well, very sad home office set up today that uh, – that made the rounds on Twitter, and uh, just judging by the looks of your background aesthetics, both of you guys have far better home offices wow. than Dave Gettleman. It's not saying much. I don't have a uh, I don't have a draft magazine near me, so I, I noticed <laughs> he had that. Yeah, it's it's a it's a scary sight for sure. So we'll see we'll see how the NFL draft goes this year. Virtually, it will be. Uh, I'm sure we're we're in for some snags and snafus, but. You know, hopefully we we get all the picks. We learn all that we need to learn. Graham, of course, we have you here today to talk about the running backs in this 2020 rookie class. Uh, And for the past few years, I guess at least you can you can correct me, at least the past four years, you have done uh, a project you call Yards Created. So before we get into the specific players, just kind of give us the history of Yards Created and exactly what that tells us. Sure. Yeah. Yards created. This is my fifth year doing this project. I started in 2016. And uh, basically, it's it's my attempt to not necessarily divorce running back play from offensive line play, but maybe just to give a little better context to the two. Uh, running backs, as we all know, are, are very highly dependent on their offensive lines and the blocking and the scheme that they're in. And yards created really is a measure of what the running back creates on his own in terms of yardage after the offensive line has or has not done their job. And, you know, a way to think of this is kind of like yards created is sort of like second level yards, you know, after the offensive line uh, creates their blocks, the running back goes through the gap. What does he do at the second level? And and not only that, does he make players miss in open field and, and how that, that he makes players miss? I chart missed tackles forced through, um, I chart missed tackles forced by elusiveness, speed and power. So really, Yards created really just kind of gives context to these running backs and, and you know, hopefully gives us a little more detail when we're, you know, uh, going through, you know, this great time of prospect evaluation. So real quick question. So when you're when you're charting this, do you decipher a point? OK, right here, point X is where he's creating on his own now. Maybe that's two yards downfield. Maybe that's two yards behind the line of scrimmage. Right. That's exactly right. That's essentially what it is. And and sometimes it is just that, you know, uh, there's plays where guys will, um, you know, the offensive line will just get blown up. And, you know, if he's starting creating yards, two or three yards behind the scrimmage, that happens uh, fairly often. So, yeah, it's really just a measure. um, It's just I think it just gives better context to yards per carry, because as we know, yards per carry can be very, very fluky. Graham, we're going to, going to go through a lot of the top running backs in this class today. We'll do as many as we can. And uh, I'm going to present these to you in order of current rookie ADP. And this is according to Dynasty League Football. 
Uh, I'm sure this will differ slightly from your running back rankings based on what you found in yards created. And I would love to hear about how you're valuing these players as we go through them. Currently the 101 is Jonathan Taylor uh, of Wisconsin after his uh, showing at the combine, he basically became the, the near unanimous choice at 101, according to our uh, early mock drafts. I would imagine that the data that you found on Taylor is pretty impressive. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor is pretty clearly the best pure runner in this class. Very strong yards created per attempt on both inside uh, and outside carries. Uh, inside carries are any carry that goes in between the A and B gap. Uh, and outside carries anything off tackle. Taylor was very strong in both of those measures. And yeah, you mentioned his combine was like just total freak show, right? I mean, yeah. uh, he posted the 10th best weight adjusted 40 time in combine history, uh, 439 at like whatever it was, 220 plus pounds. I mean, just ridiculous. Saquon Barkley had the fourth best weight adjusted 40 yard dash time a couple years ago. Taylor, I think, is being viewed as a uh, as a Saquon Barkley type prospect um, by some. And I, I, as much as I do love Taylor, I don't think he's in that upper echelon. I mean, uh, when I was writing up that class, I gave Saquon Barkley his own tier, and um, he was basically Superman for prospects coming out. And Jonathan Taylor is very strong. I just I view him more of in like an Ezekiel Elliott type of way, which which is obviously. Uh, yeah, it's pretty good still. Um, look, Taylor was not asked to uh, be a big factor in Wisconsin's passing game. I mean, they just didn't throw very much, and he wasn't asked to pass protect often. But one thing I found pretty interesting, just charting a few of his uh, his routes this past year, is Taylor was pretty explosive. Uh, he was actually second in this class in yards game per route run behind only Zach Moss. So just because Taylor was not asked to, uh, to be an asset in the passing game for the Badgers does not mean he cannot be uh, a guy who can catch, you know, 30, 35 balls in the NFL and, and contribute in PPR leagues in that way, too. I think Taylor has an extremely high floor, and uh, I will be shocked if he's not like a top 40 pick uh, next week in the NFL draft. Hey, Graham, you said there's what? There's three categories, speed, power, elusiveness. Is that the three year of, of how they create after contact? That's right. For missed tackles, correct. I'm sitting here trying to think, is Taylor kind of a 33% in all? And you mentioned Barkley. Is Barkley just more wow? You know, I mean, his highlight runs are just more impressive than everybody's. Well, Barkley really, I mean, this was something that was not discussed nearly enough when he came out. Barkley, their offensive line at Penn State was not very good. I mean, Barkley no, was right. constantly getting hit behind the line of scrimmage and creating on his own the difference between Barkley and Taylor, in my opinion, is Wisconsin's not only their offensive line, but their scheme, which is so much better and so much more conducive to running the ball. I mean, that's why Taylor uh, just posted like just nutty production for three straight years at Wisconsin. But yeah, wrapping back to your original point, Taylor is very good at creating missed tackles, both through elusiveness, power and speed. It's nearly even hmm. uh, in all of those categories. And I saw a note um, back in like February, March that said Taylor lacks wiggle. And I just kind of laughed at that. I mean, he's not. Yeah, he's not Saquon Barkley. He's not Clyde Edwards-Alaire, but uh, he is more definitely subtle. very, very nimble. Yeah, it's more subtle movements. It's not, you know, the drastic one cuts. It's just the small little movements. And <clears throat> when he makes those small, subtle movements in space because he's moving so quickly on his frame, uh, it just doesn't look as, yeah, it's not necessarily the wow factor, like you said, but it's it's definitely there. And, and Taylor is, uh, I think, his feet 
and vision is probably the second best I've ever really, you know, studied since Nick Chubb. Uh, I, I give Nick Chubb the best feet and vision grade if I graded those two, and, and Taylor would be uh, number two over the last five years in that in that category. Graham, the next running back, according to current ADP, is DeAndre Swift, of course. Uh, what did you learn about Swift? And uh, but between those two, Taylor and Swift, who would you prefer based on your study? So, I, you know, I've seen Swift ranked at RB1. I've seen him at RB3. He's my RB2 behind Taylor. And the more I've gone throughout this process, the closer I think I've pinched Taylor and Swift just like mentally in my head. And I think the delineation will come down to landing spot and draft capital. Um, if the Chiefs just make a luxury pick at 32 overall and decide, hey, we want to just take DeAndre Swift, we don't feel like we uh, have a lot of holes on our roster and we just want to go get an every down running back that can immediately contribute. Uh, DeAndre Swift, would be, <laughs> it'd be pretty hard uh, to, to not rank him as the number one running back in, that cl- in the class. But I loved his game. I mean, every aspect of his game is immediately going to translate at the next level. Uh, obviously Swift is a fantastic pass catcher. Don't need to discuss that too much, but uh, Swift really is just a phenomenal sustaining runner. Uh, in this class, Swift had the highest clip of carries to create five or more yards at 34%. And that is an elite clip. Uh, it's nearly, it's nearly in the top six all time over the last five years. And that top six is filled with just a bunch of elite prospects that have created five or more yards consistently like Dalvin Cook, Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt. I, I just think DeAndre Swift is such a phenomenal inside and outside runner. And uh, I, I can't wait to see where he goes because I think for fantasy, uh, he has just an elite floor. And it's all, all it's going to take for him is getting in the right landing spot for him to hit a big ceiling and, and potentially finish as a top 12, top 15 running back as a rookie. Graham, if you were an NFL GM, fantasy aside – and you had to choose between Taylor Swift. Would it come down to scheme? Yeah, that's exactly it. Okay, it's um, that close. Okay, it's that. Yeah, it's that close. I think. I think Taylor's the better pure runner uh, of the two. Um, I think his feet and vision is just a little bit better. I think he's got just a little bit better burst. But everything DeAndre Swift does is just smooth and easy. Uh, he just makes everything look easy. He glides. Uh, extremely well. Um, and, you know, he's such a great pass catcher. I found this really interesting. Uh, obviously, Alvin Kamara played in one fewer season, but both Swift and Alvin Kamara's uh, college receiving stats are basically the exact same with the same amount of volume. Uh, DeAndre Swift saw 92 targets, Kamara saw 94. Um, I just think Swift is such a, you know, he's just such a high floor prospect. And in a lot of ways, it's going to be really surprising to me if he fails. Graham, the third player in this top running back tier is J.K. Dobbins. Before you talk about him, do you consider him in the same tier as both Taylor and Swift, or is there a gap between those that group for you? Absolutely. Dobbins is in that tier, and I'll take it one step further. I think he has the upside to be the best running back in this class. Uh, he is number one out of the big five. Uh, that includes Taylor Akers, Edwards Lair and Swift in yards created per attempt, uh, well over five yards uh, created per attempt. Uh, Taylor was around 4.8, and DeAndre Swift is around 4.7. Um, look, Ohio State's offensive line and their scheme uh, was very conducive to big runs. I mean, Dobbins very rarely ran against a loaded box with an extra defender in there, very rarely uh, ran against eight men in the box. But, I mean, his ceiling is just so high. Um, 
his his he's the same thing with Taylor. Like he he and Taylor are just incredible pure runners, and uh, there's just no wasted motion with J.K. Dobbins. Um, I know we didn't get any athletic testing from him. Unfortunately, did run the combine, but his his athletic ability just pops on tape. Like his burst is incredible. Uh, his his ability to to kind of maneuver within traffic inside is is incredible. Um, my biggest question for Dobbins, and I think the biggest question that some coaches will have for him is what he's like in pass protection. Uh, granted, J.K. Dobbins was not used too too much as a receiver, but in pass protection, he he was really up and down this past year. I charted 20, uh, 20 pass pro attempts for Dobbins, and he gave up pressure on, I think it was nine of them. He had the worst mm-hmm. pass protection execution rate uh, in the class by far. So Dobbins has some work to do, I think, to get coaches to trust him on passing downs. Now, that's not to say Dobbins isn't a willing pass protector. He obviously has the, the requisite frame, the size that you want to see for a running back to protect the quarterback, but I do think he's got some work to do in terms of his technique and squaring up to defenders. But, um, you know, if your only weak point is pass protection coming in the NFL, that's that's a pretty good sign. Pass protection aside, I guess, and, and I hadn't studied his protection all that much, he seems like a B-plus, A-minus across the board in every category. I agree with that. I agree with that. He and DeAndre Swift are kind of the same way. Very high floor prospects. I think Taylor... The one knock on Taylor is, you know, the lack of receiving production. And even though he was efficient, like I mentioned, um, I think Dobbins and Swift just looked a little more comfortable as pass uh, as pass catchers, especially Swift. Uh, I would have loved to see Dobbins use more of as a pass catcher. And I, I kind of hope that the NFL, whomever decides to draft him, uh, unleashes him there. Graham, let's get into tier two. And and this is probably the player I'm most interested in hearing about. Uh, It's Cam Akers. And and you talked in your introduction of Yards Created about how you're separating the running back play from the offensive line play. And and I know Cam Akers wished he could have separated from that offensive line play at Florida State. Uh, That is, it feels like the first thing that comes up when you talk Cam Akers is, his offensive line was just so bad. So in this study, did Cam Akers stand out? Oh, my gosh, yes. And I actually have Cam Akers in that top tier uh, along with the big three. I think there is a drop-off, though, between Swift, Dobbins, and Taylor. But but Cam Akers is a highly creative player. Uh, Just off the bat, Florida State's offensive line was pretty – pretty much the worst offensive line I think I've ever charted. Uh, in terms of the data, like your, I chart yards blocked per attempt, and Florida State's offensive line was dead last over the last five years, and they're second worst on carries in between the tackles. So A and B gap runs, they were the second worst. And, and Cam Akers was just a stone-cold baller, man, like just an absolute baller. Leads the class, leads the class in missed tackles force per attempt, uh, was asked to pass protect way too much, uh, he had like over 30 pass protection uh, snaps that I charted, and his pass protection actually was pretty solid. I know he's getting he's gotten dinged by that by some smart scouts, but I actually think Acres is not too bad in pass pro. Obviously, a great receiver. My my biggest thing with with Acres is just like he was he had to do so much behind a bad offensive line that at times I, I think people get, make the mistake that Acres plays a little too frenetic and plays a little too fast, uh, and at times it's his footwork kind of shows that, but I wonder, I wonder if he was just trying to do too much behind a bad offensive line. 
but I mean, anytime Akers got to the edge, it was just lights out. He leads the class by far, by far in yards created per attempt on off tackle runs. He he created over eight yards per attempt on off tackle runs. Uh, just just an absurd number. And um, I, I think I think the only thing that's going to hold Akers back from uh, not being in that you know, not consistently being mentioned in that top three tier is his size. I think Dobbins and Taylor and even Swift to a certain extent have more of a workhorse frame where I think some teams could view Akers as more of like the, the you know, the number one A in a committee. Uh, but I, I think Cam Akers could be a workhorse back and he showed it at Florida State. I mean, he carried that offense. Graham, you answered a lot of my questions about Akers, but one thing that really stood out to me, and you basically said this in so many words, was very highly competitive. I mean, like things never went well for him and he could have went down a little easier or or snuck out of bounds or hung his head a little bit or pointed a finger or whatever. And it seemed like he just Walter Payton to, you know, carry after carry. I agree. Yeah. I mean, he, he and Eno Benjamin, Eno Benjamin has that dog in him. Like those guys just love to fight through contact. I love to lower their helmets and, and Cam Akers was always driving his legs, always churning out. XGRs and it shows. I mean, he led the class in missed tackles, force per attempt. And, and you mentioned, I mean, he could have gotten dejected on every play. I mean, he was getting contacted at the highest, contacted behind the line of scrimmage at the highest rate in this class. Nearly one third of his carries, he was contacted behind the line of scrimmage. And it just didn't matter. I mean, he is just such a great athlete and such a great playmaker. I, I can't wait to see where he goes. And I, I think he's going to be uh, pretty easily a top 50 pick when it's all said and done next week. Graham, let's talk about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He's the, uh, according, again, according to our ADP, he's the second player in Tier 2, the the final of the Big Five, as we've been referring to them, of course, Taylor Swift, Dobbins, Akers, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Part of the reason we're even referring to them in that way is because there's such a huge gap, at least according to to ADP and to most rankings, between uh Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and everybody else. We'll get into some of those deeper backs a little bit. But how are you valuing Edwards-Hilaire? Edwards-Hilaire has an absurdly high floor for fantasy just because he's such a great pass catcher. Uh, Joe Brady used Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in a way that very few offensive play callers in college football do. I actually think Edwards-Hilaire might be Outside of Christian McCaffrey, um, Edwards-Alaire might be the best route runner I've seen on tape over the last five years that's not named Christian McCaffrey. I mean, his understanding of setting up linebackers at the second level and setting up his stems and breaking those off with his quickness, is it's lethal, and it's immediately going to translate to the NFL. Um, I mean, there are a number of times where <clears throat> he would just – he would, you know – set up a linebacker to the inside, break to the outside, and just easily create separation, create an easy throwing lane for Joe Burrow. And I think any team that drafts him, I hope, has a plan in place to use him exclusively in the passing game. Uh, My biggest question with Edwards Alaire, and the reason why he's my number five back in this class, is because I just view uh, Taylor and Dobbins especially as better fundamental runners. I think uh, Edwards Alaire is a fine inside runner, fine outside runner, uh, but I, you know, his, his, he just, it's not like he lacks burst in the sense that David Montgomery lacked burst in last year's class. He definitely has more juice within like three to five yards than Montgomery does. But I do wonder 
if certain teams might view him as like, you know, the same way as Cam Akers, like a 1A, the top of a committee where he's like exclusively used on passing downs. Uh, so I, I think, you know, obviously Clyde Edwards is, is incredibly uh, elusive runner. Uh, he's second in the class behind Cam Akers, and this tackle was forced per attempt. Uh, but my biggest question really just comes down to like fundamentally is Edwards Alaire uh, going to be a workhorse back? And if he is, what kind of inside runner will he be? Because in LSU's offense, I mean, he was constantly running into space. And that's not his fault. I mean, they had a great scheme and a great offensive line. Uh, but Clyde Edwards-Alaire definitely benefited on the ground, at least, from LSU's scheme and offensive line. Graham, I wonder if you have any input on this, because I love all five of these guys basically equal. But he's Edwards-Alaire has by far the smallest wingspan. He's only a little over 5'7". And I know he's an awesome receiver, but his protection to me is an incomplete grade. I mean, this past year, as much has been made, they're only going to use five-man protections because Burrow could handle it. And Hilaire will chip and go out. But in the NFL, and even like Barkley's run into this, that you can't just be a receiver if you line up in the backfield because teams are going to show blitz and force you to pass block some. Did he get enough exposures to know that about him? Yeah, that's the thing is you're right, LSU just ran, they ran four wide. Yeah. Burrow got the ball out and it just didn't really matter. Um, I, you know, I had uh, a few pass protection uh, snaps for Edwards Alaire. Um, really, I don't think I feel comfortable enough saying that, you know, one way or another, he's a, you know, a, a plus or a minus in the pass in pass protection. But honestly, Matt, w- because he's such a great receiver and because whomever drafts him is, I guess, theoretically going to use him exclusively as a receiver. I, I'm not even sure for, for his, at least his evaluation, mm-hmm. that his pass protection matters all that much because he's just such a great receiver. That makes sense. Uh, folks, by now, most of you have probably heard of Reality Sports Online, the powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team just like an NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it? It's time to go see what all the buzz in the Dynasty community is about. Free agency, multi-year contracts, a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automated contract and salary cap functionality, and much more. You think that sounds complicated? Guys, it really isn't. The best thing about Reality Sports Online Fantasy Front Office is that it doesn't take any more time than a standard league. It just requires more strategy. So if you think you're among the fantasy elite, well, this is a platform to really test your mettle. Still not sure? You can test out our general manager skills for free in a mock free agency auction. If you like what you see, use our promo code BLUEPRINT, all one word, to receive a 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. Graham, before we get into these other running backs after the Big Five, do you you agree with how dynasty players are valuing these guys that after Edwards Hilaire, there is a big gap until the RB six. I think it's a massive gap. Yeah. Uh, I, I think really like Zach Moss is my RB six, but I think I could be sold that a few guys after him are just as worthy as being, uh, being six or seven. Yeah. I mean, in dynasty drafts after the top five running backs go, I'm pretty much immediately switching over to the receivers in that range. Like Michael Pittman, uh, if Jalen Rager falls to that range, I'm I'm all I'm all over it. Brandon Ayuk, same thing. Like, um, yeah, I, I think pretty much after the top five guys go, man, I I don't I would not spend anything more than like a mid or late second round start uh, dynasty rookie pick on on any of these rookie running backs. 
Yeah, I mean, barring a just a terrible landing spot for one of the big five, we're going to see those five running backs being drafted as among the top eight picks at worst, you know, maybe among the top seven picks of rookie drafts. And then after that, Graham, as you said, it's going to be a major wide receiver run. And, and fortunately, it's a good wide receiver class as well. Uh, you mentioned Zach Moss as your RB6. Go ahead and uh, tell us what you learned about him. Sure. Um, you know, I had this tweet the other day that I, I was like comparing Zach Moss to Kareem Hunt because I've seen some some smart people make that comparison between the two. Uh, in terms of contact balance and being able to force – uh, defenders to miss like Moss and and Hunt are pretty comparable, but that's about where the, the comparison stops for me. Uh, Hunt's burst, both not only like long burst, like 10 yards, but his short area burst three to five yards was just significantly better. And I think Hunt was a better inside runner too. Uh, but I like Zach Moss a little bit. Um, great. Uh, very, very natural pass catcher. Um, again, I think his lack of uh, long speed and the lack of initial burst might limit him from like really creating separation from linebackers and safeties at the next level, because those guys are just so much faster. Uh, but, but Moss is, you know, he wins through contact balance and powering through tackles. Um, the biggest question for me is, is he more Marshawn Lynch or is he, you know, Matt Jones and Alfred Morris? I mean, obviously Alfred Morris was not a great pass catcher, but um, you know, for fantasy, there's a, there's a huge spectrum of kind of these grinder type guys and the way they produce. And really fundamentally, it just comes down to where they land. And I think Zach Moss is going to be highly dependent on landing spot, but his one saving grace is that he, you know, he can immediately come in and be a pretty strong contributor on passing downs. But, you know, I still think he's in a tier well behind Edwards, Alaire, Swift and Akers in this class as a receiver. You mentioned David Montgomery earlier. Do you think that's the tier, which is, Probably not quite Matt Jones, but isn't Marshawn Lynch? Honestly, I'll be I'll be honest with you, Matt. I thought Zach Moss was just a beat slower than even David Montgomery. Really, and that was one of the things that I noticed out of Montgomery. Um, just going back and, and you know thinking about his his evaluation last year is is Montgomery really struggled to create yards on inside carries. He was well below uh, three yards created per attempt on inside carries, and Zach Moss is basically right at uh, three uh, 3.0 yards created per attempt on those inside carries. And, you know, I, I think some of it might've been Utah's offensive line and their scheme. I mean, there were some, they just, at times like, you know, they would, Moss is a pretty strong outside runner because I think he's, he's good enough and he's got enough like change of direction ability to, to really like get to the edge and hit it. But sometimes when he's asked to run in a straight line, it just kind of, it just looks a beat slow to me. Um, maybe he can get to the NFL and shed a little bit of weight and get, you know, work on his footwork. Uh, but to me, based on his 2019 film, I, I thought he looked a little bit slow running inside. And I think linebackers and safeties in the NFL will have no problem catching up to him. Graham, another player, we talked about this with Jonathan Taylor and, and certainly on a different tier, a, another player who gained value after the combine was AJ Dillon, uh, who, who was, I would say he surprised some with his speed. I'm still not buying it, though. What about you? I'm with you. I'm not okay, buying it yeah. either. Um, yeah, A.J. Dillon was a really – I was really excited to watch him because he was starting to get a little bit of hype after the combine. Uh, but he, the the yards created process shows that he is not a very creative runner. And to me, I, he looked 
just, I mean, I know the Derrick Henry comparison has been thrown out there, but he is not the same style of runner. I think Henry coming out of Alabama was more violent, uh, was faster, had better burst, and wasn't as tight-hipped as A.J. Dillon. Um, in terms of yards created per attempt, Dillon is dead last in the class, wow. uh, 4.16 yards created per attempt, and also dead last in the class in this tackle's force per attempt. Um, Are they but, all from power or speed? I would think not elusiveness. Right, exactly right. It's it's all power and speed. He, you know his hips are his hips are wound tight, man. Yeah, um, yeah. Boston College, you know Boston College's offense was super old school. Uh, nearly eighty percent of Dylan's carries came with the quarterback under center. Uh, that's usually like flipped. Like usually eighty percent of carries come from shotgun. So I think you know Dylan definitely definitely had a little bit of like uh, disadvantage in terms of the way that they used him in his scheme. Uh, he, uh, because of that, and because he was facing, you know, because Boston college, like ran such a heavy offense, you know, out of 12 personnel thirteen and, uh, and fullback sets, like he faced eight or more def- uh, defenders in the box on nearly 50% of his carries, which led the class. But uh, again, I come back to, you know, can you create on your own? And for me, in, in terms of uh, yards created, Dylan is, is dead last in both yards created per attempt and missed act was forced. Graham, based on uh, our rookie ADP at DLF, Graham, I'm sorry, Dylan is the 16th overall pick, the 2.04. Wow. Uh, it sounds like totally hands off at that point, right? Man, I, I would spend the 3.04 on him, but yeah, the 2.04 is is really, really hefty price. Yeah. A- another player I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on, and this is one that I, I feel like I flip-flopped a little bit on, and, and there's certainly some strong supporters in the the fantasy, the dynasty community. And then there's others who just don't think this guy is anything special. It's Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, again, even I find myself kind of flip-flopping between the two, so I'd love to hear what you saw with him. Yeah, Keyshawn Vaughn, man, like super boom-bust runner. Um, has, I mean, he is fast as hell in a straight line. I mean, he can really get moving in a straight line. He looks he, – he can run with power and run violently. Um, I, he, I had a few notes on him, like, uh, during a few games where I was just like, oh my God, he's a freight train in space. Uh, but he has like, if AJ Dillon has no lateral agility, like Keyshawn Vaughn has just a step above AJ Dillon in terms of his lateral agility. I mean, he is not going to make very, many, uh, make very many defenders miss at the second level with his elusiveness. Um, I think Keyshawn Vaughn is, is a still a fundamentally better prospect than A.J. Dillon coming out. He's a you know, good pass protector. They asked him to do that a lot in Van- behind Vanderbilt's offensive line. Um, and, you know, he's a, at least a not a marginal pass catcher. Um, you know, if we, were, if we were on the clock at the 2.04 right now, I would be much more willing to take a shot on Keyshawn Vaughn than A.J. AJ Dillon. I'll, I'll tell you that much. I think I'm taking the wide receiver. Uh, no <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's the right answer. Yeah, that's uh, that's Brian Edwards territory. Brandon Ayuk is actually twentieth overall major steal right now. I'm sure that's I'm sure he'll uh, he'll be a post draft riser. Uh, a couple more guys. You mentioned Eno Benjamin earlier. It sounds like you like him. Tell us about Benjamin. So you know, I the more I watch Eno Benjamin, the more I liked him. Um, he's you know this past year his efficiency is not going to blow anybody away in terms of yards created per attempt. I actually misspoke uh, earlier. AJ Dillon is second from last in the class in, in yards created per attempt. Eno Benjamin is actually last. But Eno is just so much more elusive and such a better pass catcher, which makes him a better prospect. Um, 
you know, we talked about Cam Akers' competitive, competitiveness and, uh, you know, ability to run through contact. You know, Benjamin is tiny. Like, he showed up at the senior bowl at, like, 195, then came back to the combine and, you know, got his weight back up to, like, 205. Uh, my biggest concern with him will be weight and whether or not he can sustain an NFL workload. But, man, like, he competes through every single tackle, and his missed tackle force numbers are pretty strong, too. Um, Arizona State, their their offensive line was not very good, uh, and I think, you know, probably uh, struggled a little bit because of that. And the other, the other aspect, too, is sometimes, you know, like, you know, we'll do this thing where he like not necessarily pauses behind the line of scrimmage. Like it's, it's a fine line between patience and dancing, but I think, you know, gets a little bit hesitant behind that, behind the offensive line. And again, it might just be Arizona state's offensive line was bad, but yeah, I liked, you know, a little bit. Um, I think I like Anthony McFarland. Like if we're going to compare these pint size little backs, pint size explosive backs, I like Anthony McFarland a little bit more, but but you know, uh, I think you know could be a decent fantasy producer in the right spot. I, I came around on him. I came around on him a little bit. Do you see McFarland as more explosive, more dynamic? Um, Benjamin seems like at least history shown that he could handle a little bit more of a workload, though. Sure. Yeah. I mean, Eno had some games this year where he got the ball like thirty times, which is yeah. just crazy for a player who's like. I mean, I know he was at the combine at two hundred seven, but last year, I mean, he looked one ninety on tape. Um, yeah, I think Anthony McFarland is just a little more explosive. Uh, his combine w- uh, was strong. Uh, I think McFarland had like an 85th or 86th percentile weight-adjusted speed score. Um, and McFarland actually leads this class in yards created per attempt. Now, granted, a few of those, uh, you know, his super long runs uh, that he had, especially against Ohio State, I charted that Ohio State game late in 2018. Uh, so that skews it a little bit. He had a couple massive runs. But I think McFarland can be a sustaining runner at the NFL and um, he's a sneaky, great pass catcher too. Um, I'm, I'm really excited about uh, where Anthony McFarlane lands. And if he's like a third round pick, I think we could see a path to where McFarlane is getting, you know, eight to 12 touches per game in his rookie season. If there's an Eckler in this class, is that maybe him? Yeah. I love that comp okay. actually. Okay. Yeah. I love that comp. I think Eckler's um, I think Eckler's first couple of steps are a little faster uh, but McFarlane has the juice, man. When he gets in the open field, like he can make anybody miss and look stupid. Um, I, you know, I, I think McFarlane, it's, it's weird to me. Like everybody, you know, we've been looking for a, a, the sixth running back in this class after the big five. And I think Anthony McFarlane is like kind of staring in my face as that guy. I mean, he, he has some work to do in pass protection because he is a smaller guy. And I'm just not sure teams will try to use him in that, in that way. Uh, but McFarlane, I, I think, could sneak up and, and be – uh, you know, push Zach Moss to be that sixth running back in this class. Wow. Graham, the one player, I, I, I kind of feel the same way about a different player. And, and the one that's staring me in the face that's that's screaming RB6 is Darrington Evans. Uh, am, am I crazy for that? Not at all. I love Darrington Evans too. Um, I, you know, a little bit, I think we get, we start – after we do all of our evaluations for the big five guys, we start to f- try and find sleepers. And sometimes like uh, we dig too deep and like fall in love with a few of these guys, but Evans and McFarlane are the two guys that I'm, I think most interested in after the big six. Um, Evans is just a jitterbug. Like everything he does is not frenetic. It's controlled, but it is just jittery. And just like, it's like, he's just like, like a live I don't know. He's just like a live ball of energy. Um, when he gets into open space, he can make 
anybody miss in terms of his speed. He's got uh, not great elusiveness. It's not like he's uh, it's not like he's Clyde Edwards Larry. It's not like he's very twitchy in that sense. But he's got strong enough in elusiveness to make defenders miss at the next level. Had a great combine, um, sneakishly great combine. And really the only question I have with Evans is sort of like Eno Benjamin. Like it just comes down to size. And can these guys handle enough workload at the NFL level for it to be meaningful for fantasy? I mean, obviously they're very different styles. But in the real league in the third round, if it costs you a late third for Dylan or Moss, or you could get Evans or McFarland in the late fourth, you think the, the values with the smaller explosive guys, right? I think so, just because they can immediately impact the passing game. Yeah. Uh, especially yeah, especially McFarland and Evans. One other question, because I know we're about to do a, a running back mock. Does Antonio Gibson count as a running back for our mock, and what do you think of him? <laughs> I hope I hope he does. I heard some whispers that Gibson wants to play receiver. Um, and I, I hope that's not true because the little bit that I got to see and the little bit we all saw on um, those like 30 carries from, from Gibson last year were just awe-inspiring. I mean, yeah. virtually all of them were power, and they would just move offensive linemen in front of them and just tell them, you know, once you got this le- second level, just take off. So I have uh, literally no under no idea if he understands how to set up blocks or blocking schemes at all. Uh, but every time the ball was in his hands last year, he was just super dynamic. Um you know, David Johnson I, was the com- is the comparison that everybody's been throwing out for him because he's a hybrid player. But people forget that David Johnson like was handling over 200 carries every single year at Northern Iowa. I mean, he was a workhorse for that team. Uh, Antonio Gibson has never been that, but but yeah, I'd be cool to using uh, using Gibson as a running back in our mock for sure. We can do that, Matt, just for you. <laughs> I don't know if he'll be the top twelve, but I'm just curious if he qualified or not. Uh, he will be for me, but we'll, we'll find out. Um, we are, as we always do when we, when we have Graham on here, we're going to do a running back only rookie mock. So we'll do 12 picks, just like your typical rookie draft. Uh, but we'll ignore the, the wide receivers and the other positions, just focusing on the running backs. Uh, some of the ones we just talked about, and maybe we'll sneak a couple others in here as well. And, uh, Matt, we're not very good hosts. We made our, our guests go last. You get the first pick. <laughs> To be very honest, if this was what we were doing and there was, you know, chiclets on the line, Ryan, I'd be calling you and saying, what will you give me to go from 1-5 to 1-1? Because my my first tier truly is all five. I mean, I don't think Taylor stands alone. I think the distance between Taylor and Edward Solaire or Akers is minimal. So I would be calling you up and say, Ryan – if you do the live read next week, you can go from five to one. <laughs> but I guess if I'm staying, I'll take Taylor. All right. I do. Uh, as Graham talked about, as, as really a lot of people have talked about, right now the separation between the big three, you can even move that up to the big five, is is very thin. And Graham, you said it earlier. It's ultimately going to be decided by draft capital and by landing spot. I'll take, of course, DeAndre Swift at the 1.02. And Graham, you've got the third pick. Yeah, I'm going to go with my guy Dobbins, uh, leader of the class and uh, leader of the big five in yards created per attempt. And I, I think he has just a crazy, crazy high ceiling. I'm torn again. I think all five of these are very similar, but I'll take Akers. I think he's got a better chance to have a every down roll. All right. And now I'm, and now I'm really realizing 
uh, how how bad of host we are because I get the fifth. You gave pick. six. <laughs> yeah, I, I got the easy one. I'll take Clyde Edwards Hilaire at five, and we'll leave uh, the sixth pick, the tough pick, to Graham. It is it is tougher. Um, I think if McFar- if Anthony McFarlane or Darrington Evans go to the right spot, and we feel like you know they can get at least ten to twelve touches um, immediately per game. I think this could be different, but for now I'll take Zach Moss at, at RB six, just because I think he'll be drafted a little bit higher than those two. But uh, talent wise, I think it's really close between McFarland Evans and Moss. Wow. Uh, you're turning me on McFarland and Evans. I, I hadn't considered them quite this high. I just don't know how many touches they'll get, but I might need to reevaluate that. And I think I like Vaughn a little bit more than you do. Um, I see he is limited, but he's got some juice to, to take it to the house. I think he'll get a lot of touches potentially, but might need somebody to get hurt in front of him. I don't love that pick, but I'm going to go with Vaughn here. All right. And, and Graham, back to your Zach Moss pick. I, I do think that makes a lot of sense. You look at mock drafts and, and right now it's pretty much all we have to go on. Uh, and Moss is a, a day three pick in, in basically every one of those, a second rounder in a few of them. Uh, and and most of these other guys, we, we can't say that about. So in an exercise like this, that does make sense. That's that's kind of the safety play. Matt goes with Deshaun Vaughn at seven. I will take Darrington Evans at eight. I think I kind of tipped my hand there. And Graham, you made me feel uh, feel better that you like him as well. That leaves you up with the ninth pick. Yeah, easy pick for me, Anthony McFarland. Um, I've gotten him in a few dynasty leagues already. Um, I, I think, man, Matt, th- your comp for Austin Eckler is just ringing around my brain right now. I love that mm. comp for him. Yeah, that would certainly be a steal if it comes anywhere close to being true. A name we have not brought up. I'm going with Joshua Kelly here. Mm. Uh, I mean, I like I, it. I, yeah, I think he's got some juice too. Two very productive years, did well at the Senior Bowl, did well at the Combine. I think he's a quality player. You stole my pick. I like I like the Kelly call there. Uh, that's who I had my eyes on. Instead, I will go with Eno Benjamin here at 11, and I'm going to see if, if Graham gets uh, gets stuck with uh, a certain player if he goes a different direction. <laughs> I could take A.J. Dillon, but I'm not boring, so I'm going to go with Antonio Gibson because I like fun. Nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, hopefully Gibson's a running back, and hopefully, like, you know, um, he understands, you know, how to set up blocks and everything. But, but yeah, I just think Dillon is just really limited. And at least Gibson, for fantasy, at least Gibson we know is a good pass catcher and could immediately be like a little satellite back for a team. Uh, whereas Dylan, I you know I don't think he'll ever be a uh, an asset on passing downs. Like, would you take him over Pollard right now? Uh, Tony Pollard, yeah. AJ Dylan over Tony Pollard? No, no, Gibson. Oh. Um, no, I still prefer Pollard. Pollard yeah. had a really nice rookie season. Yeah, he did. Quiet rookie season. Ryan's been trying to pry him away from me all week. I have been. Don't actually. do it. <laughs> <laughs> may, may need to up the ante a little bit. <laughs> Graham, thanks so much. Uh, really, really good stuff today on these these running backs. I remember we you were here. We did this same exercise a couple of years ago, and and this uh, this twelve running back draft was painful. It feels a little bit better this time, and and that's that speaks well of the class and and uh, of your work with that class. So, uh, thanks for joining us. Tell our listeners where they can find you. You're you're out on Twitter. Where where can they find your work? 
Sure. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm at Graham Barfield on the Twitter machine. Uh, have a, an announcement about a new site uh, very, very soon. Hopefully around the time you guys will be listening to this podcast, we'll have some news on that Great. front. And uh, yeah, really appreciate you guys having me on. I always uh, enjoy coming on and talking to you guys. And and you guys are uh, some of the best dynasty minds in the industry. So I really always appreciate uh, getting your takes on these running backs too. All right. Thanks again, Graham. We'll be back next time with more Dynasty Blueprint. <laughs>